and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys, and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler, and we're going beyond again today, still on the East Coast doing some recording. Today we've got a deckhand, uh, Billy Prime, and before I let him start talking, uh, just a little forewarning in case this is not an episode that you would like to listen to. Billy's story is going to be different than most that you've heard on here. Similar ones would be Nick McGlashan. Um, Billy has uh, struggled with substance abuse in the past, and this is the this is the journey from that to fishing, pulling him out of that. So, Billy, would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So let's start with where you were born and, and you know, not so much how you got into the industry, because you had issues before you got into the industry. So let's, let's just start there. Okay. Um, I was born in 1980 in Newburyport, Mass., small town on the North Shore here. And I grew up in uh, Raleigh, Mass., right next to Newburyport. Um, grew up in a regular, you know, middle-class, blue-collar family. My father was a mailman. My mother worked, worked different jobs, librarian and... Uh, you know, it's just a hard-working family. I got a little brother, two years younger than me. Who's, you know, he's been successful. He never had any issues like I did. But, uh, you know, he's married with a kid now. And, uh, yeah, that's how I, I grew up. It was normal, normal childhood. Okay. So, um, prior to getting into fishing, you had some substance problems. So, where did that start? And Well, that started... You know, probably at age 14 or 15, um, I started with the smoking weed. Uh, my father is in recovery also. My father's actually 32 years in recovery himself. So at a young age, it was drilled into my head to not start drinking because dad's an alcoholic and, you know, he, he always... So I grew up with like a healthy fear of alcohol. So I, I, I didn't really start drinking at a young age like everybody else did, but I was always, you know, a little different in school. I had behavior problems as a young kid. I always felt a little different doing, you know, stuff to act out for attention. And then I'd say probably 14 or 15, I started smoking weed with, with kids, and uh, that was like my escape. And, uh, you know, it, it just progressed from there. Mm-hmm. How, how far did it go? Well, it went as far as... I, I lost everything a couple of years ago. I was living on the streets of Boston. Uh, you know, you go to a Bruins game or a Red Sox game now, you see guys sitting there begging for change with a cup. I mean, that was me a few years ago. I lost everything. Uh, uh, my family, my friends had me written off as dead. They were planning on going to my funeral. My poor father walked around with a cell phone in his pocket, just scared to death, waiting for the call that they had found me. You know, I, I got into a lot of a lot of heavy heavy shit that uh, took years to, to come out of. Mm-hmm. It just it how, was, how did you start coming out of it? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I I lost everything. Like I said, I was living like an animal on the streets, and I can't tell you the difference between. My last time trying to get sober and the 50 times before that. I can't, there's not one single thing I can point my finger on. It's just, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a fellowship that I go to for help. Um, you know, they say, like, when the pain gets great enough, just stop. 
And I was always told my whole life, I have so much potential, uh, this and that. You know, I, I, I've always had a great work ethic. That's one good thing I got from my father. And um, I just had enough. One day I, I, I was laying in a detox. Like I said, it was probably my 100th detox. And I can't tell you the difference between that one and the 99th. But I just made a decision. I said, fuck this. I'm not living like this anymore. I'm getting sober and I'll do whatever it takes to get sober and and you know that was a little over two years ago and I I haven't looked clean, back clean since uh, yeah that's awesome yeah. that's awesome so where did fishing come in then fishing came in um, you know I've always loved fishing my dad will tell you like as a little kid I could catch a I could catch a largemouth bass in a puddle <laughs> like I used to hide fishing rods behind trees and shit and behind in ponds near my house where I grew up. And I've always loved fishing. Like we used to go up to a lake every summer for two weeks and catch smallmouth bass and largemouth. And me and my dad used to do largemouth bass tournaments as a kid. I just always loved fishing, and I always wanted. You know, I grew up in Newburyport. They don't have quite the fleet that Gloucester does. Gloucester, Mass. I grew up about a half hour from Gloucester, and. Um, you know, I, when I quit school at 16, I started roofing. And I, I was a roofer for most of my adult life. And roofing and construction. And I knew guys that were commercial fishing. And I always wanted to get into it. But again, because of my drinking and drug use, I could never get my ass off the bar stool and go make it happen. I used to talk about it all the time. Oh, I want to go down to Gloucester and get on a boat. And, and then this was in the early 2000s when the, the government was fucking everyone in the ass and getting rid of the ground fishing anyway. So everybody I would talk to about getting into it would tell me, oh, you're crazy. I, I want to get out and get into roofing or something like you are. It's not the time to get into it. But um, I don't know. I just, I've always, I always wanted to get into it. I love fishing. And a couple of years ago, I made it happen. How did you make it happen? Actually, um, by accident, I was on Facebook. Uh, a friend of mine, Will, who's a fisherman, he sent me, he sent me like a screenshot of a Facebook post uh, this guy Russell, who I believe you'll be speaking to, was looking for, for a deckhand on a, on a small dragger, medium-sized dragger, you know. So I called Russell, or I sent Russell a message, and I told him, I said, you know, I, I love fishing, I'm a hard worker, I have very little experience. Going back to, like, 2014, I did two or three months on a, on a day lobster boat for a kid. And uh, so I explained my experience to Russell, and I said I'd love the chance to, to go on a trip. You know, and Russell say, yeah, we're leaving Wednesday. We'll be back Saturday. If you want to show up, you know, he told me where the boat was down the state pier. I knew exactly what boat it was. And I, I showed up on a Wednesday, and we that was a whiting trip, and it wasn't that great a successful trip, but, uh, you know, I made it. We got back in. Russell asked me, so, hey, you staying? And I said, absolutely. And, you know, I fished with Russell, and, it's, yeah, that's how it started. And Russell was Russell's great. I couldn't have asked for a better captain to break me into the industry. You know. You tell me. I mean, yeah. Was, I mean, was this was this helpful in in your recovery? Oh yeah, in my recovery. Yeah, I mean, guys, guys would would tell me, oh, be careful with the fishermen. It's like. Guys in every industry, every trade, are doing drugs, are drinking. I was on deck with one guy, and what he does is his business. He wasn't doing anything on the boat with me. So me and Russell, I'd be out for three or four days, 
in for three or four days, and, and when I'm in, I, I, I do my fellowship, I, I do what I gotta do to stay sober, and, uh, you know, when I got on Russell's boat, I didn't know how to tie a knot, and he, he taught me, you know, we started with tying half hitches, overhands, and he taught me how to do clove hitches, tie a bowling, you know, and, and he just taught me from there, and I started off... You know, when you drag in, you get a cotton gut fish, and it would start off with the with the mate on the boat. He would do all the cotton, and I just rip the guts out, put it in the wash box, jump down the down the fish holds, and um, I was just always wanted to learn. I, I would tell the kid, "Hey, can I cut more of this 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 next haul? Can I cut? Because if I, you know, Russell's planning on retirement, and it didn't work out, he could have sold the boat. But I was I would tell the kid, "Listen, I I need to learn how to cut everything, so I get another boat." It's like. You know, every every spare minute I had on that boat, I was always trying to learn something else. I had to do, you know, a, a wheel watch because only three of us. And he would set the autopilot, and I'd take the boat out to the fishing ground six or seven hours, and then those two would take the wheel back and forth during the trip. You know, it's called doing a tow watch, and there's a little more to it than just adjusting the autopilot mm -hmm. as far as getting hung up on shit and all that. You don't just give some kid that's never done it the wheel while you tow while the net's in the water. Mm -hmm. So rather than sleep. I'd go up to a Russell. I'd be, hey, show me what you're doing during a tow watch. I want to learn this, you know. And I don't know. Russell was awesome. Like I, I was, I have a deep faith in 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 God, my high power, and you know, I believe everything was just set in, set in path for me. And I believe, you know, because a lot of guys don't have the patience that Russell has, and, and Russell loves to teach, and you know, he kind of just took me under his wing and, and went from there. Yeah, a lot of guys in our industry. Uh, start the angle a bit different than you did. Uh, you know, a lot of guys start fishing, gain the problem, uh, gain the addiction, right. um, and at some point there, it either ends their career or they choose to, to get clean. And it's as many of them out there. Nick right. McGlashan, another great, great success story. Yeah, I follow them on TV. Yeah, yeah. I love them. Uh, great, great success story. He's, he's been on the podcast. I encourage you to listen to his. But um, So you're, you're coming at it from a different angle where it's almost that the fishing side is helping you stay and keep your sobriety. Absolutely. And it sounds like it does that, or at least with when it did with Russell, three days at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then and then you reached out on those other three days for your fellowship group. I assume is uh, is uh, AA or yeah, another couple something of, like yeah, that. Yeah, a couple of different groups. Yeah. Um, so again, you're coming at it from a different angle, uh, or start. You, you had the problem that you got rid of to get to get to the fishing portion. So what did you do after Russell's boat, or have you done anything since then, or still on Russell's boat? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still in, in contact with Russell. He'll be a friend for life. Um, I'm planning on, I want to learn how to, how to mend that from him. A lot, of, a lot of the old guys either don't want to teach it, or they don't have the time to teach it. So, you know, I'm planning on going to Russell's backyard. He's, he's got a pile of, pile of old net. He's going to teach me how to, how to be a, a twine man and a... Yeah, after Russell's boat last last year, you know, I always wanted to experience Alaska. Um, it's been a dream since since I was a young kid. Long before that show was on air, <laughs> I wanted to fish Alaska. I've read books about it and everything. So Russell was planning on retiring at the end of last fall when ground fishing was over. So uh, I reached out to a, to a mutual friend. My buddy Will knows knows your friend Jesse. I reached out to Jesse about how. how where, where would I even begin? I don't even know how to begin fishing in Alaska. I know you don't jump right on a crab boat. Like, where do I start out there? And Jesse hooked me up with uh, Rachel from, from Trident Seafoods, an HR lady from Trident. And I reached out to her, and, and the salmon season was coming up. 
and they needed guys to work on on the tenders and um, you know that was a process in itself just going through the medical clearance and this and that I mean oh background checks drug checks oh all yeah. that I had yeah. to go do a do a, a urine which which was great not having to worry about passing a urine <laughs> that was great in itself but uh, you know I, I have liver problems and I, I got some other health issues for my lifestyle I had to go get blood work done and this and that I had to get cleared by my doctor but the point is, it took a lot. It took like a six weeks of appointments and determination to make this happen. And, and my girl here, Gabby, was there. As much as she didn't want to see me go to Alaska for three months, like she never tried to talk me out of it. As a matter of fact, when I when I was ready to say, fuck this, like I ain't doing no more appointments, this is crazy, jumping through hoops, she encouraged me to keep going. She wanted to see me live my dream of going fishing in Alaska. So... I actually ended up working on the Southern Wind last winter uh, uh, for uh, Munzee, was my deck boss. And so it was Mike Peterson the captain then? Mike was the captain yeah. last summer. So yeah. in the summer, yeah. Yeah, Mike okay. is, Mike's a great guy. Mike, Mike uh, again, like I did with Russell, uh, all my downtime there, I was up in the wheelhouse with Mike. He, he started to teach me how to read charts, how to, how to set a course. Uh, variants and DV, you know, all, all that stuff, which we had the Chapman book out and he was highlighting and like telling me, all right, this is a shit that's never going to come into play. Like, you know, he told me what to, you know, and, and Munzee too. Munzee taught me a lot. I'm good friends with Munzee to this day. I, I talked to Munzee yesterday after I listened to his podcast. Munzee is an unbelievable engineer and fisherman. You know, he loves little small puppies, right? <laughs> Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a joke for Muncie when he listens. He'll, oh, yeah. He'll get a kick out of that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Muncie's so, a great dude, and uh, me and Muncie kind of hit it off right when I got there. We um, both got that strong accent. And that, I've been told. Uh, even even in Massachusetts, I've been told. I got he, a still, he still has it. He's living up in, like, Homer, Alaska. Yeah, he's in Homer right now, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Southern Wind, back to Mike, though, real quick. Yeah. Uh, Peterson, he... He's actually a very skillful captain to learn from. He's super safety oriented and yeah, loves sharing is. knowledge. Uh, he does. He's a great boat operator. He, Mike really is. I, I, I compared him, I told him about Russell, and uh, he was very similar to Russell in that way, where he, he liked to share his knowledge, he liked teaching. Um, you know, he was trying to guide me in the right direction. You know, one thing I'll remember from Mike, and, and it's in my head, it goes through my head once a week or so. Mike's thing was be professional, Billy. There's a lot of, you know, fucked up guys in this industry. And, and there's a lot of boats up here. And be professional with everything you do. Be be, uh, be neat. Be, you know, just be professional. He repeated that to me over and over. And, you know, and it makes sense. Make yourself stand out from the crowd. He is, he is very professional. Yeah, he he is. Is, yeah. Mike's Mike's a great guy. So tendering on the boat. Let's talk about that experience. So what, let's talk about the just the experience of flying out and never being there before. And how did uh, all was, that go? It was unbelievable. I haven't I hadn't flown since two thousand and three. Went to Ireland and uh, yeah, flying. Uh, I mean, uh, again, all the the health force, all the all the bullshit I had to go through just to get cleared to work on the boat was came down to the last second. Because Harley and Munzee wanted me there like a week before I got there. Because the Southern Wind was in shipyard. I guess they're only in shipyard every three years. So I happened to catch the year they were in shipyard. So I spent a couple weeks in Seattle first. 
which turned out all right because I got to I got to steam up through the inside passage and everything rather than fly up mm-hmm. to Alaska from Seattle, which was cool. But yeah, I came down to the last second. I was at my girlfriend's work, Ritala Street here. She works at Dunkin' Donuts, and I finally I got the call from um, what's his name, Pat. Pat, yes. Pat Cummins. <laughs> yeah, Pat Cummins. I finally got the call. He's he says, al- he's also on here. One of these episodes. Oh yeah. I look back and find Pat, guys. Sure, I'd like to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, so I finally got the call from Pat. Says, "All right, Billy, you're cleared. I'm gonna be working on a on your plane ticket. Check your email for, for a plane ticket soon." And I'll never forget. I was so excited. I started jumping up and down like a little kid. I remember in Dunkin' Donuts. In Dunkin' Donuts, every customer knew what was going on. And I says, "Babe, I'm going to Alaska. I made it happen." Yeah, it was awesome. And, and, and the night before, like, oh, me and her broke down crying. I'm going to miss you, this and that. And the next morning, we were crying. And But again, like, this girl fishing in my fellowship and Gabby have, have saved my life as far as staying, staying sober and, and chasing my dreams. Because as much as she, of course, she didn't want me to leave for three months. But she's seen how, she knew it was my dream since a little kid. And she was so proud of me. In the other room, she made a, a photo album. All the photos I texted her, she printed them all out. Like, so yeah, it was great. And then, then the next morning, my father, who's very supportive of me, my dad picked me up uh, to bring me to Logan, and you know, we sat in the Logan together, had breakfast at Logan Airport, and you know, he saw me off, and I went from there. <laughs> and, yeah, it was a great experience. I I landed in Seattle and. Spent a couple weeks working at the ship. Yeah, and I learned a lot. Like, Munzee will tell you. (laughs) I don't know how to hold a wrench before I got there. Like, I'm a roofer, somewhat of a carpenter. Roofing is my gig. And then I, you know, I became a deckhand. I'm good on deck. I can grind with anybody. The hours and the physical labor uh, have never been an issue. But in in the two weeks I spent in the shipyard, it was changing valves. You know, Munzee did a complete, I think he changed the heads. I mean, that, that boat... Did a complete overhaul. You know, I'll never forget when I first got there. Munzee handed me a couple wrenches and one of them big, huge valves. Sea chest valve. Yes, yeah. He wanted me to change one of them. And looking back, I know he was testing me because he gave me the tools and he walked away. I said, all right, I'll figure it out. And he came back and he's like, hey, will this help you? And like, I don't know. I, I think, I think Munzee thought I knew a little bit more than I did when I got there. But he's such a good dude. Like he, he didn't bust my balls about it. You know, he worked with me. Munzee is great with. That's not normal for him. Normally, really? he busts everybody's balls. Oh well, no. I mean, let me correct myself. He busted my balls just plenty, but not to that point where. I've told other people, Munzee's a master at like, getting the best out of people. He will take. He'll work with your strengths, and work and and work with you with your weaknesses and a lot of other guys will prey on your weaknesses and Munzee's the opposite you know he he, he encouraged me and, and he worked with you know so let's talk about that trip from Seattle up to Alaska because a, a lot of people pay thousands of dollars to take oh, that yeah, trip yeah like I was telling her and my parents it's like I said just that I'm like people pay to do this and I'm getting paid this is unbelievable the Inside Passage, it was beautiful. That's oh, incredible. I mean, I spent more time on that boat when we were steaming. I'd, just, I'd go up on the bow or, or, or out on the back stern and just sit there. 
and just look look around and like you know say my prayers and just thank God like like this isn't supposed to be happening right now like you know I I, I didn't get too deep into my story with Mike as far as where I came from mm-hmm. how low I really was um, Munzee I got a little more personal with but like. The, <laughs> I just kept thinking, like, if these guys only knew, like, where I came from to where I'm sitting right now, it's just, I just have a whole new appreciation for life. Yeah, I I think that uh, no one, uh, and I can speak from experience in the the sense that I don't think anyone would hold it against you, your past. Right. Uh, With our industry and the people we work with, everybody's got a past of some kind. Sure. And it's where you're at now. Yeah. And it's what you're doing now. Sure, and and like I always say, and the people that do judge me and hold me for my past, they're not the people I need in my life anyhow. You know, at the same time, there's a fine line between when you meet somebody, you don't have to indulge. Like, oh yeah, I'm Billy. I'm two and a half years sober. Two and a half years ago, I was living under a bridge shooting dope. Like, you, you yeah. don't have to get into all that. Right. It's, it's, use some common sense mm-hmm. as well. Let somebody get to know you a little bit make their judgment, uh, let them see how I live my life now, and then decide how, how deep into your past you want to get with people. But that being said, I do put it right out there when I get on a boat or when I get in any new situation. I, I'm sober, I don't drink, I don't smoke weed, I don't, you know. You know, like the first day on the Southern Wind, me and Munzee were done working, and after work he, he handed me a beer. It was like some home craft beer, and it was like orange. I didn't know if it was a... Uh, some energy drink or whatever and he handed it to me so we were done work for the day I lit a cigarette and I go this ain't a beer is it he's like yeah it's a craft beer I said oh no I don't drink he's like oh alright cool and he put it back and I grabbed a Red Bull and that was it you know but yeah I mean I put it out there I don't so let's talk about the Alaska experience you get up you guys are tendering probably that big of a boat in the Nush or in the in the in uh, Prince William Sound right yeah it was um it was cool. I mean, honestly, I thought it was going to be a little more work than than it was. I mean, there was a lot of downtime. And, and like I said, a lot of it was more like the mechanical work and this and that, which isn't my, my thing. But I did learn a lot. But, yeah, like the average day, you know, we we were on anchor watch. I do my anchor watch with this, this other kid. And, and um, you know, they'd be, be the openers and... Yeah, we'd pump fish for a few hours, and you know, I, I got got my routine down. Where standing there, push the button. Munzee would bust my ball. Oh, you're great at pushing that button, you know. <laughs> but we take the trash from guys, and I'd ask them, "Hey, you need diesel?" And they go around the other side and, and fill up the diesel. And so essentially, these boats are pulling up. And you're dropping a, a pump into their tanks. Right. Yeah. Either right. Munzee or, or the mate would run the hydros, and and we'd lift up this big pump, and it would go into their tanks. And then I would see as soon as it hit their tanks, I'd run over to the pump, I'd turn it on, and it would start sucking up. Oh, yeah, push another button and turn the pump on. <laughs> then I'd watch the scale, and I think it could hold, <coughs> excuse me, I think it could hold 3,000 pounds. You didn't want it to get over 3,000. It would come up. And some of these guys would be up top picking pinks, chums, whatever, sorting. And, you know, when I seen it get 3,000, I'd, you know, push the button and, yeah, I mean, it was it was a good experience. It was, like I said, I thought it would be more of a grind, more physical work. It was a lot of downtime. But we ate good. Munzee's a chef. I mean, I haven't eaten that good in my life for a couple months straight. 
Yeah, we did a lot of pleasure fishing, you know. Mike told us while we were still in Seattle, make sure you buy a fishing rod because there's going to be plenty of time to, you know, we were jigging for rockfish and halibut. And did you bring any fish home? I brought a bunch of smoked salmon home. Thank you, Munzee. No, no halibut? No halibut, no, oh. no. But we just finished that smoked salmon. Yeah, we had we had the, uh, what's it called? That big metal, the smoker and the dehydrator. Mm-hmm. You know, like the jerky they made. Munzee made a bunch of that. I flew home and... Yeah, it was great. And just to meet, just to just to meet everybody in the industry out there, and making new new contacts and everything. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, Alaska was a great experience. Something I plan on going back to. Yeah, I was going to ask, what's what's your future? What's your what do you see? Well, right now, I'm on a lobster boat out of Pigeon Cove, Rockport, which uh, it's it's a great boat. The guy I'm working for is actually the head of the co-op. He's the president of the co-op. He's a very, very successful fisherman. He was a dragger before everybody got forced out of dragging and forced into lobstering. But uh, he's great. Uh, this is uh, Paul we're talking about? Yeah, this is Paul, yeah. And Paul has a reputation as a screamer and as somebody hard to work for. But, I mean, Paul's great. He just wants shit done fast. He wants shit done correct. And he wants it done the first time the right way and, and besides that yeah he barks a lot he's, but, but Paul's great he's got a big heart and he, you know what bottom line which I tell everybody everybody oh how do you work for him I says dude the dude's a great fisherman he makes me money you just gotta have a little bit of a thick skin you know you probably gain a lot of knowledge from him too oh of course yeah Paul's teaching me a lot too like like, like on the on the fly like thank god I will say one thing about if that was my first fishing site I wouldn't have made it he don't have the patience like that to be but you know I know the basics I can slice now I can tie the basic knots and, and you know and Let, let's go through the process of a lobster day yeah if you could walk us through it as if someone has never seen a show like Deadliest Catch or Wicked Tuna or or whatever just take us through the process of working on a lobster boat okay um, well there's usually two of us on the stern a lot of days I'll go with just me on the stern, but regardless, uh, we get to the boat about five in the morning. Um, before we load up, you know them, you know them blue, blue or black, the, the bait totes, fish totes. There's a stack of them. When I get when I get to the, to the dock, there'll be a pallet full of bait. We use redfish heads and heron, and um, and there's a stack of totes. And I get there, I try to get there a little before Paul. I tote up all the bait. He gets a forklift, we drive it over to the dock, and uh, you know I'll jump on board, and Paul will lower me down the bait, I'll situate my bait in the correct spots, and without getting into exact detail of how we bait, because Paul would kill me, we, we use the bait sticks, and uh, on the steam out, yeah, me and the other kid, or, just, or whatever, it was me, we got about 22 bait sticks, I'll load up the bait sticks, get the traps ready to get get going uh, make sure I got got my my bands in the right spot uh, make sure my, my band is ready we get a couple bottles of bleach that we spray the buoys when they get covered with vegetation uh, just a little morning routine that, that I go through it lobster it is very repetitive and uh, you know it's just it's routine I'll, I'll switch over from the deck coast to filling up the tank I go inside I, I put the get the tank ready to go and and right now the gear's not very far offshore, so I mean at the most we got 45 minutes and we're on the gear, and then um, 
I'll grab the gaff. Paul will say, coming up. I get the gaff, and I, I got to gaff the buoy. Either, either. Now, these have been setting out from the day before? Oh, yeah. Well, at least. Not, not the day before. He's got he's got 800 traps out there. They're in trawls of 20, mm-hmm. sometimes 10s if we're inside on the beach or whatnot. There's certain areas where I don't even think it's law. You said you're loading up in the morning and, and baiting up. Yeah, loading up the bait stick. So I'll get all my oh. bait bait ready. Yeah, you put six pieces of fish. If you don't know what a bait stick is, it looks like a like a shish kebab thing. And there's a hole in the end, and there's a string, and you, you run the string through the end of the stick, and you yank, and all the bait comes off, and then you wrap the wrap the, the line around. Then you got fish hanging there for bait. It's called okay. hang hanging bait, and it, it's it's pretty standard. All the guys, for the most part. So yeah, the traps have been in. You know, we generally haul. I don't know, if you haul on four nights, that's a short solve. Between four and seven nights, and they'll come up 20. I'll grab the gaff, I'll gaff the high flyer. I'm standing right next to Paul, he runs the hauler. The traps will come up. If I have another kid helping me, he'll run the high flyer out back. Trap comes up, as soon as that's on the rail, I grab it from Paul, I open it. I got a, I got a gauge right on my hand, it fits around my hand. I, I gauge them, toss them. Right behind us is the tray with different slots, and you got to keep the lobsters all facing the right way because they'll kill each other. They bite each other. They're a pain in the ass. You can't stack them two as we have it. they got to be facing the right way. So they'll, I'll do that. Then I'll slide the trap down to the other kid. He baits it, closes it, and, and runs it all back. And that is a very important part, stacking the traps, because if you fuck that up at all and the, the ground line gets, gets hooked up, and it takes two traps, it takes three traps, then you're in a world of shit. It's a shit show. And even if you send two traps over at once, one of them, they're not going to land, right? If one lands upside down, you ain't catching shit. And like Paul says, it, you know, some guys think, oh, it's all, oh, I sent two traps over once. Oh, well, you know what? That might have cost you $15, $20. You do that two times a week, times a month, you're talking a couple hundred bucks times 12 months. I mean, you know, you cost... So, that, you know, that's the thing with Paul, very detail-oriented. Just do it right, do it correct the first way, and everything's good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, lobster's a grind. It's just... It's just you got to measure them, right? Is that what you were saying? You gotta... Sure, yeah, you get the gauge. Some guys hang it from their skin. Some guys, you know, Paul, we got a little hook. Paul's got a hook. Because Paul doesn't gauge everything. Like, that's kind of the idea, especially if you got two guys on the stern. Um, when we started... Paul was kind of having crew problems, I guess, because I came, and it was just me that one day, and then I brought my buddy Will, and we were switching off at first. One guy, it's called backing him. Like, the captain needs a good good guy he trusts backing him, because you can fuck him. You can fuck his whole operation. Paul ain't watching everything I put in that tank. I mean, you got the wrong kid doing that. You put four or five shorts, you put an agar, a couple V-notches. If you don't know what that is, you're supposed to, yeah. A V-notch, um, certain lobsters, they come up with eggs and, they, and they're not notched. There's, there's a tool they sell. And the second flipper in from the right, you V-notch it. And that means this lobster has been pregnant before and she will be again. So to, what's the word, sustain or whatever the industry, you know, guys put a notch. And, and, and put that, her back in the water. And then you throw her back in the water so she can have babies again. And like, you know, so the first couple trips, me and my buddy Will, we'd switch off either backing him or running traps. And, and one day Paul told me, he's like, listen, I want you backing me. It's an important position. You're fast. I trust you. And that's, you know, like I said, you can fucking put a guy out of business. You keep putting illegals in that tank. So it's an important. What's the tank like? Is it a live tank? 
Yeah, it's a live tank. They're, they're banded. Um, I forget how many it holds. I don't know. Nine, eight, I think it. I think it's an 800-pound tank, but we've had to stuff more than that. Um, and he's got it. Yeah, it ain't that big. I mean, he can lift it on and off. He's talking about putting a bigger one on, hopefully, for the fall. Hopefully, we need a lot more than that. But, yeah, they're live. They're banded. It's got water running through it, a little PVC thing hanging off with the, with the water going. And yeah, and at the end of the day, we take the cover off it, and I, you know, I got the dip net, and uh, we crate them up. You know, on, on your way in. On the steam in, we we crate them up. Yeah, we get the the holes. You know that. Speaking of uh, the routine, like that's the routine. Uh, I don't ask. Oh, how many more trawls we got? And because uh, Paul will even tell you, like I, I might tell you one thing, and my plans change. So no, I don't even like to tell you guys plans because I don't want you getting pissed. So I don't, I don't like to ask, but I've been with them long enough now. I kind of, I know the areas are working. I kind of know how much Gary plans on haul. And, and like in my head, I'm, I'm looking forward to when he says, all right, we got three more to haul. So that's the routine. Like when we get down to that last trawl, when we got them on and get ready to set out, I'll grab a bucket of hot soapy water. And a lot of lobster boats don't do that. They don't wash down the deck. Like Paul, that is a beautiful boat. He takes care of it every day. As the last trawl's going out, I got my hot soapy water ready. I got a little toilet scrub brush. I, I scrub his area where the hauler is and all that shit. We wash the deck down. And um, I can judge by how far away we are when to, uh, when to start crating up. I'll go ask Paul. Paul will get there. The other thing, yeah, after every trawl, as I'm banding, I'm counting. And I give him a count. And that is to get a general idea or, or exact idea really how many bugs we caught that day but it's also bugs the yeah yeah that's what we call bugs yeah. <laughs> but it's also so he knows so a couple weeks from now he can look when we're hauling this trawl he'll tell me oh we had we had 40 here last haul okay now you know this haul we have 35 or whatever and, and you know he can adjust his gear it's called working the gear you kind of follow them, similar to, to crab. When they're setting prospects and shit, trying to chase the biomass, it's like he works the gear like that. And as I've been with him longer and I'm getting better and faster, um, he asks me now, like, you know, I'll say, all right, we're 42. And he'll ask me the quality. How was the quality? Look, yeah, they look good. You know, were they filthy? Were they dirty? Male, female. What was the ratio? What was it? I don't know, 80% male, a lot of nice males. You know, and, and he writes his little notes, and, and that's how he works the gear. That's how we. That's how we adjust. You know, there's a lot of thinking on his part that yeah. the deckhands don't really. It ain't just like he says all the time. It's all about the bait. Pay attention to the bait. You know, and guys are idiots for. Yeah, you want to get shit done fast, but you know what? Take the extra second when you're putting the fucking bait on, and one of the heron falls off, and it's laying there on the on the on the floor of the kitchen. That's a free meal for them. It's just. It's common sense. You want to make more money or do you want to just rush? It's like, no, you don't do it right because you're scared of getting yelled at. Do it right to do it right, to make money, you know? What's the uh, what's kind of the average number of bugs you pull up in a pot? Or is there an average? Well, I mean, the, the What are you hoping to see? Well, I mean, uh, three pounds of pot is awesome. I mean, the, the general rule you'll hear guys talking about is you don't want to get below a pound of pot average. You know, that's kind of ground zero is a pound a pot on average. But uh, what is that? One, two? Well, if they're chicken lobsters or whatever, like, yeah, a couple, two, probably, probably you know, unless they're big. Just 
Just don't, on average, that's that's generally what you'll hear. You want to at least stay in a part of one. And what's the biggest one you've seen? Biggest trawl I've hauled with Paul so far is an 88 out of, out of 20. Oh, the biggest lobster. Oh, the biggest lobster. Jesus. It, I don't know. The thing was probably 20 pounds. I mean, you can't see me stretching my arms out, but it was from my chin they're, down they're, to my waist. They're about two two feet apart here. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and, and it's amazing. You look at some of these fucking... They're all females, the ones that are that big. And they're mean, too. <laughs> do, do those normally go back? They all go back, yeah. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah. yeah. They're always... The big females, you look at them and you wonder, how the hell do they get in that trap? Right. And they're a pain in the ass to get out they of there, too. There. Yeah. It's amazing. And the problem is, they scare away. Everything. The boss says all the time. Yeah. If you're, a, if you're a little male lobster and you're looking at that trap and you see this big fucking bitch in there are you gonna get in there <laughs> no you know so <laughs> yeah that's, that's awesome that's awesome yeah they're always either eggers or v notches you know and so the, meaning they've got eggs on them now right or they got the notch saying hey they know, she's definitely breeding right breeding. yeah they call that they call them like like the, the breeding stock. They'll so, all be going off. So if you pull one up and it doesn't have the V notch and it doesn't have eggs on her, yeah. she's legally sure. Killed. They're legal, yeah. 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 And um, it's weird. Like like Paul always tells me, it's it's kind of it's kind of odd, but it seems like the V notches hang out together. Like you'll get a trawl and they'll be all notches. You'll yeah. get another trawl with, with with some good females, you know. And again, you gotta be real careful with those females because that second flipper in, any little imperfection, it's not just a clear V notch, which makes them really any little imperfection. And you know, it, and when it comes right down to it, the green cops or whoever, it's their, it's their call. And, and really, if they wanna fuck you for a, for a female, they're gonna get you either way. So like, it's really. Really pay attention. Yeah. Like when I started with Paul, he would say, hey, any questionable ones, show me. You know, and I showed him a couple, and he was, ah, no good, not even close. Yeah, she's good. So now I don't show him every single one. I don't show him any now. I mean, I, I know, I kind of think like him. I know what, but anything borderline, you know, if you've got to stare at it for more than five seconds trying to figure out if it's good, just throw it over. Because that bug might be worth four or five dollars. But if you get caught with it, it's, it's, it's thousands. So yeah. what's, you know, yeah. if that happens two or three times a week, so this is how I look at it. Say I throw over two or three good ones a week as opposed to taking a chance of taking a big fine, you know. But Yeah, it's good that you're protecting his interests. That's oh, what yeah. you're essentially doing, and your own. Sure. You're keeping, the, yeah. keeping it going. Well, Billy, that's been great talking to you. Do you have, uh, do you have any advice you want to give? As far as why I'm trying to get advice, into whatever fishing, advice you'd like. Well, I, I would say just follow, follow your dreams. You know, I, I mean, I see kids on Facebook uh, on these on these sites trying to get into fishing, and you know, guys will talk shit. Oh, you're green. You ain't gonna be able to handle it. I'd say in in not just in fishing and anything in life, follow your dreams, make it happen. Don't say I can't because. This was my dream to become a commercial fisherman, and uh, I I was two seconds from death. I mean, I lost everything, and now I wish you guys on air could see this play. I'm living in a beautiful two-bedroom apartment. Let's say that uh, the sound quality you're hearing right now is probably a little different uh, than what you're used to hearing from us guys. We are actually sitting in Billy's kitchen. Yeah. Um, now, 
This is the first place you've ever had on your own Absolutely. with your name in it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, tell us about that feeling. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, I thank God every day for for how blessed I am. It's 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 unbelievable. Um, I'll be 39. This month, yeah, today's the second. Later this month, I'll turn 39. This is the, the first time in my life I have signed a lease. And it's, it, it feels, it's, it's indescribable to, to know. If you know where I came from, a few years ago, I was just wrapping up a jail sentence. I went right back to the, to the booze and the drugs. I was living on the streets. I mean, I used to wake up under a bridge in Boston, not showered for weeks, and wonder how I'm going to get the money to do what I need to do today, to not be sick. And a little over, and two years later, I'm living in this beautiful two-bedroom apartment with my name on the lease. I pay the bills, and it feels and fucking unbelievable. Woman. Oh, with support. Gabby is the best. This woman is, is, is awesome. I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better girlfriend. My parents, they've, they've seen my whole journey, and, and I'm grateful for them, so... Yeah, I mean, my, my advice to anybody fishing, wanting to get into fishing, or just in life in general, chase your dreams. I mean, life, life's too short. You get caught up in the daily grind of this and that. You know, if, you, if you're doing something you don't like for work and you want to go try something, go try it. Chase your dreams. Be happy and be grateful. Be grateful. That would be my... <laughs> that's how I try to live my life today. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's well, really awesome. Yeah, thank, thank uh, you for Billy. Uh, thanks for taking the to time to, to do it today. Cool. Uh, when when we first set it up, you thought you didn't have any, much to offer. Uh, in fact, you mentioned it to me. You mentioned it to Jesse. Right. Uh, I think that this is an incredible amount to offer. Thank you. I appreciate that. So um, I appreciate you taking the time to do it. And uh, you mentioned that your dream next year is to be in a, a in a boat in Bristol Bay. Yeah. I I would be willing to bet that we will see you on a boat in Bristol Bay. <laughs> I hope so, man. So uh, thanks for taking the time today, Billy. All right, no problem. Um, guys, uh, be sure that you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Um, and if you really, really, really enjoy it, uh, look at us up on our Patreon account. You're welcome to donate. We, we would appreciate it. Of course, not required. We don't charge for these. But uh, like, subscribe, and comment would certainly, certainly help us. Um, so until uh, till next time, guys, thanks for listening. Say bye-bye. Bye. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Galley Stories. We hope you like what the net brought in. Please leave us a review on iTunes, whether you like it or not. We're not fishing for compliments. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter, too, and reach out to us at galleystories at gmail.com.